the elements of the photo, I don't end up using the whole photo or all of the elements in the photo. So I usually take the part of the photo that I think is the is the strongest or the most aesthetically interesting and use that in different ways. In some cases, like going back to this last series, the elements are repeated in several different paintings. So the same kind of patterning or part is is used in different ways throughout different paintings, whether they're small or large, or I don't even use all the photos that I take. So I kind of just pick out things that are the most interesting and then put those, you know, use those as my kind of elements. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 243rd episode, the final of 2020, I am joined by Jennifer Small, who joined me from Philly, where she lives and works as a graphic designer. We talk all about her colorful, abstract paintings that explore a lot of repetition and geometric shapes that are all based off of photographs that she takes. And again, these are photographs from daily life and very banal in many circumstances. We talk about how they are fragmented and pieced together to form the basis of her paintings. And many of the previous works then were turned into drawings and then paintings. Her most recent series for a solo exhibition called Beauty and Banality, which is up at Robert Berry Gallery through January 10th, incorporates some digital processes and some shared color schemes. So we talk all about that coming up in the interview. So you want to stay tuned for that. Of course, if you are checking out Studio Break for the first time, go to studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of interviews up there for you to peruse. Again, each of those posts have images of the artist's artwork, so you can check out their work there. Or you can click those links and check out their websites or find them on Instagram. And remember, you can listen right in the default player or just click those links on the side and subscribe to the podcast so you've always got something to listen to in the studio. Studio Break is on social media, of course, so be sure and like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. Since you're checking out social media, you might as well check out mine as well, so be sure to follow at David Linaway on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can also check out my work at davidlinaway.com. I do have a sale that just closed in 2020, so if you're hearing this and you see something that you like there, just shoot me a DM, and I will honor that later for podcast listeners. One last reminder that Jennifer's work is up right now at Robert Barry Gallery. That's robertberrygallery.com. The show is Beauty and Banality, and it runs through January 10th, so check that out. And you can also check out Jen's work at jsmallcreative.com. And on Instagram at Jen Smalley. With those announcements out of the way, let's get to our interview. So stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Jennifer Small, how are you doing this morning? Really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I became super interested in your work via Instagram, which is one of the great ways of finding out about artists. And, you know, I, I had really no other exposure previously. So again, I just came across these beautifully colorful and geometric paintings. And I thought, wow, you know, I got to talk to this artist. So thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've been chit-chatting a little bit, learning a little bit about your background. And I guess we'll do that formally now. You know, maybe start off a little bit by, by telling us about where you're from. I think from the Pennsylvania area, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I grew up in central Pennsylvania, south central Pennsylvania, kind of equidistant between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, about 30 minutes or so southwest of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So kind of a little town called Waynesboro. So kind of mountains and farms, I think you kind mm-hmm. of picture. <laughs> Pretty rural, small town. So that's where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to talk about your background, there's a lot of different experiences. I'm curious, were you always somebody that was interested in, in making things and, and I guess, uh, with your hands and whatnot? As long as I can remember, I've been, you know, drawing, coloring, painting at home. Uh, my parents both went to art school, so they were always encouraging of, you know, doing anything creative and not just art making, but kind of around the house. We were a very like kind of DIY before DIY was mm-hmm. was kind of a thing. <laughs> always outside, um, you know, when it snowed, we were always like, you know, building forts and, and, you know, sledding and things like that. And, you know, Halloween costumes were usually, you know, kind of DIY and and things very much a childhood of, of always kind of making things, building things. 
from from a very young age so and there wasn't like a lot of pressure then you know as as a the child of artists you know to a master or something like that well again it's usually the opposite right you know like my dad's an accountant and you know has no idea why i'm doing this or you know something like that you know they were encouraging with anything we wanted to do but but they they were were not like like oh you have to choose something math or science oriented like some you know sometimes happens it was it was very much you know do whatever you want to do kind of thing and and we we understand like the desire to to be creative and to be an art artist or you know make things and things like that because that's how we you know kind of grew up so it it wasn't a negative sure environment at all it was very encouraging and and you know they would pull out like old old art supplies or you know things that they still had from college their college days and show us and uh, I remember drawing with, you know, my mom's pastels, like from when she was in college and, and things like that. So it was very, a very positive, you know, kind of encouraging environment for a bunch of uh, creative kids, I guess. And, and my, my siblings and I were all kind of creative. My, my brother and I are both painters and he teaches uh, college as, as well. But and my sister gr- uh, grew up to have a, kind of a, a career in, in more communications and event planning and, and things like that. So still a creative, creative mindset. Yeah, it was super interesting. And I'm, I'm curious too, you know, growing up then, did you have like a lot of formal art classes, you know, through high school and grade school and all that stuff? I guess I just skipped a lot of time in between there, but... <laughs> Yeah, we did. We, I mean, even though we were, you know, grew up in a small town, the the school district was really great about about arts ed- education. I kind of took it for granted in a way because later on, when I became a teacher, I I kind of realized how how good we had it. But yeah, we had a great elementary school program. Um, we were always, you know, making things, and and then in high school, we didn't have kind of specialized classes, but we had you know, the general kind of art one, two, three, four kind of thing. And really strong teachers, encouraging. We, you know, I I did an oil painting, my first oil painting as a 10th grader. And ever since then, I was, you know, I was kind of hooked, mm-hmm. but really encouraging. You know, we took field trips, we, we took trips up to New York, to the museums and, and things like every year. We were, um, you know, encouraged with opportunities, with things to apply to, you know, like the scholastic arts and things like that and like other local competitions and they started an AP program when I was in high school we were like one of the first classes to go through like do an AP portfolio so it was a very kind of encouraging program even though it was small like I said elementary school on up through high school a really strong like I said teachers and program nice nice well i'm i'm curious then you know kind of thinking about graduate gosh go back to graduating high school <laughs> hard hard to get back into that frame of mind you know sometimes yeah <laughs> but but was that something then where you kind of left that experience where you were thinking like oh i want to be a fine artist or i want to maybe teach or did you kind of have a, an idea that you just wanted to do something in that field? Or I guess, you know, think think about that time and maybe, you know, how you wound up proceeding to, to kind of pursue art from there. Yeah, definitely. I knew I wanted to do something in the in the art space. And I, I think I came to more of an art education direction later in high school because of the strong educators that were surrounding me. I felt like it was the kind of perfect combo. I could have a, you know, kind of steady career, but also be able to make art, you know, kind of along with my students, but also, you know, have, have the summers to focus on, you know, my art making and things like that. So I've kind of made the pivot from strictly fine artists to the art education and looking towards schools that, that kind of specialize in strong art education programs. So that, that was I think because of my teachers at the time. And where did you wind up going then for undergrad? So for undergrad, I went to uh, Millersville University, which is a state school in Pennsylvania, a really strong education program across the board, uh, kind of regardless of of subject. But art education, it was one of the top schools in the the state for for that. So I ended up going there and it's in uh, Lancaster County. So it was about two hours 
from where I grew up. Coming to that college experience, then what was that like in terms of, you know, taking those art classes and, and getting started? Were you pretty excited to, to dive in there and, and learn some new things? Oh, yeah, I was I was really excited. I actually went in as a kind of a dual major BFA and the Bachelor of Science in Art Ed. So they had a kind of a, a dual degree program, which was really great because it was the best of both worlds because I could be a, a BFA student still you know, have the intense, intensive kind of experience in the, in the studio courses. But then I, I had the, the Bachelor of Science in Art Ed as well, which had its own set of kind of requirements. But yeah, I was super excited to get into studio courses. I was really excited about drawing and painting and, and even just the foundational kind of 2D design courses that was all by hand. I never took a computer class in undergrad. So anything that I took was all by hand. Their department was was really great because we could take different types of courses throughout the department. So I was able, in addition to drawing and painting, I was able to take a survey and printmaking class, a darkroom black and white photography class. I was they had a, a bronze foundry within the building, so I was able to take sculpture and do a bronze, which was amazing. I, t- I was able to take ceramics. And then more design classes, more graphic design classes, but we never touched the computer. So it was a lot of typography by hand, like hand lettering, illustration, marker illustration, layout kind of in the like old school way. I had a professor that was that was trained that way and, and kind of that was our process in, in learning about design and, and layout and things like that. It was a crazy uh, kind of mix of things. And of course, art history. But then I was able to choose a concentration and my concentration ended up being painting, even though for a while I was thinking of concentrating in graphic design, which just meant that you took the most courses in that area mm-hmm. and ended up doing your kind of your thesis, CFA thesis project in that in that area as well. But it was a lot. It was all hand. And uh, I learned a little bit of Illustrator just for one of the final projects in one of my classes. It was a cool experience, uh, for sure. Well, and it's it's interesting to think about that as we were kind of talking about that the kind of balance between digital processes and techniques and programs versus, you know, the, the hand-eye coordination or just the rigidity or weirdness of having to like mix up color and apply it to something with a brush, you know, it's kind of a interesting <laughs> balance in there. Um, curious, you know, you mentioned oil painting earlier, uh, when you were in the 10th grade, I mean, was that something where at the time you were kind of doing a lot of oil painting or was it something where you were doing acrylic painting at the time, you know, in terms of like bringing together your thesis? Yeah. In, in um, undergrad, it was all oil from the, the first painting course I took. Um, we were, we were oil all the way through. I was an oil painter. I, I did take a watercolor course as well mm-hmm. at one point, but but yeah, it was it was all oil painting all the way through, and we got to have our a solo show uh, as a BFA senior, um, which was really cool. But yeah, they were all oil paintings and a few drawings. I did put put a few graphite charcoal drawings, which has always been a big part of my process. The drawing component. What were you interested in painting at the time? Was it something where you're dealing with abstraction, or were you dealing with something like else entirely? Um, not. At the time, um, I didn't get into abstraction a little bit towards the end of my undergrad, but it, it was very much observational. It was still life. It was portraits, figure paintings, self-portraits, and, and landscapes. It was kind of the, the, the trifecta there um, <laughs> of observational subject matter. But I think starting that way, I got to see how you know, playing with scale or overlapping or repetition kind of could could alter the space and make kind of the change to be more abstract. So by the end, by my senior year of undergrad, I was kind of taking objects or parts of objects and kind of repeating them or or, or painting them kind of over top of each other to kind of create these like dense spaces. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the beginning of abstraction for me. There was still a degree of, you know, kind of modeling and kind of the, the representational aspects of painting were still there. It was just that the subject matter was not 
as straightforward. So, so it sounds like, you know, relative to, you know, that thesis work, then maybe a little bit more straightforward than some of the real abstract work that came later, but still have kind of like a hint of that through some of the work. What, what happened after that? I mean, did you kind of immediately go to, to graduate school or did you take time off or transition between there? Um, yeah, so no, I, I did not go to grad school until about five years after undergrad. So I went straight into teaching. I had my, my art ed degree and certification. So I got my first teaching job at a high school outside of DC. So I was in um, Southern Maryland for um, those five years where I was teaching at a, a high school, big high school. And I was teaching, again, general art. I was teaching painting. I, my classroom had a darkroom. So I had to quickly learn how to teach darkroom black and white photography. And I was the, um, the yearbook advisor. So I taught the yearbook course, which I, again, quickly had to learn how to do the digital program very quickly to produce that product. Right, right. It was an interesting um, first job because it was a new school. It had opened only one year before I started. So it was an opportunity to kind of build the program from the ground up, which was interesting. And the school grew so quickly that our classroom sizes were, you know, class sizes were huge, which was tricky. (laughs) Sure, sure. You know, I was thrown into the deep end for sure. So yeah, I was there for five years before I started to apply for graduate school. It's, it sounds like the classic, you know, case of like having a, a teacher kind of do everything. So it sounds like tons of responsibilities. Is that something that kind of, you know, led you to thinking like, you know, I kind of really want to focus more on my own work. I guess what, what moved you away towards, uh, I guess, some, something else in terms of like a, a day job, if you will. Yeah, it was it was a lot of those things. Um, it, it just got to a point where I think I burned out. Um, like I felt like I was too young to burn out. Um, but I was teaching multiple courses. Yeah, I was doing the yearbook. I coached softball for a while. Like I, it, it just I think it just kind of consumed me, and I started to just not like it anymore. And I think the the like kind of lack of support for the arts started to creep in and it just it was time for me to kind of step away (laughs) from the classroom and um, I actually started to get a portfolio together by attending a course at the Corcoran Mm -hmm. in um, in DC uh, that was offered for actually for teachers for free it was a continuing ed course and that actually got me back into painting regularly and kind of painting more cohesively so that I could kind of put work together to start applying to graduate schools. And I actually only applied to schools that had um, kind of a specific criteria that were e-learning with limited residency, Mm -hmm. thinking at that time that I was going to continue teaching in some way, that that this was just kind of a a, a break in in that. So I, uh, I got into... Uh, Savannah College of Art and Design MFA painting program. They offered e-learning component and then a residency, limited residency in the summers. So it was kind of again best of both worlds. At that point, I when I started graduate school, I was still teaching, so I had a year of overlap where I was doing both. So I was I was teaching high school, and I was also uh, doing the online e-learning component of grad school. And so what was that like? I'm especially curious, you know, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, obviously the whole educational system, I guess, transferring over to Zoom this past year because of the pandemic. <laughs> was that something where you were able to kind of interact or was that specifically then when you were in like summer residence? Because I, you know, think about the amount of conversations I had uh, with other graduate students sitting around a table. Yeah. You have a, a contemporary art history class and you're all sitting there you know, talking about so-and-so's work or something like that? The program actually started with the residency. So it started in the summer, mm-hmm. which I think was was very helpful because I think starting online would have been totally different. So our kind of group all went to Savannah for the summer five-week intensive. And so we were all able to meet and, you know, interact with each other and and kind of learn and grow in those that first session in person. 
which I think was, you know, was great because then when we went online, you know, we were with the same folks, you know, online in, in the fall and SCAD does quarters. So we had a, a fall, winter and spring quarter online. I think that was really um, important because then when we were critiquing each other and it was often, there were actually no video interactions. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking back, it was all via Blackboard. So it was all written kind of communication back and forth, which was interesting because in a critique setting in person, when you're, you know, you're talking to one another, I feel like sometimes things just kind of get blurted out. Mm-hmm. They aren't necessarily thought out as well or, or backed up with reasoning or, 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 you know, evidence and things like that. So being online in that environment, even with studio courses, we were able to, you know, upload images of our work and really have time to, you know, to look at it and, and write about each other's work in a, in a more thoughtful way that wasn't just kind of blurting things out and, and, you know, reacting to what someone else said and, you know, things like that. So I think in a way that was an, a, a good, you know, a good practice, mm-hmm. the, the feedback from, from the instructor and, you know, each other was, was just more thoughtful. I, I think that's the main, that was the main difference to me. And I did take a lot of theory and like the contemporary art history and things like that online because they were almost just as easy to do. First year was, was a lot was was some studio, but it was the majority of the theory and the, um, the art history were there any artists at the time that you were particularly like drawn to in terms of thinking like, you know, this is, this is what my work could be like, or, you know, I'm, I'm interested in these ideas relative to my work that was different from, you know, where, what you came in with, I guess. So I started kind of working in that first year, kind of taking the idea of, you know, these, you know, painting from observation and these, you know, these kind of objects and, and things and, and dissecting these objects and abstracting from there to really getting photography into the process. So I was actually, you know, taking images of parts and pieces of of things. And then those actual photos for a while, I was cutting up and collaging into my painting. So at that point, I was, I was kind of looking towards artists that were kind of almost mixed media artists, Mm -hmm. you know, artists that were combining you know, actual physical collage pieces with, with painting. It was a lot of layering. I was still oil painting. It was a lot of layering, kind of creating kind of rhythm and movement with these pieces from my environment. It definitely became more abstract at that point. And I was experimenting with some different, more like water-based materials. So more like, you know, matte mediums and, and things to like create different surfaces. Mm-hmm. as far as the like the first year of grad school well it's it's interesting to think about that photo element and especially that process of like taking something that you're seeing and then starting to kind of collage it together and then actually paint into it and layer you know i would imagine that that process continued is that something that like you know at the time did you wind up swishing over to you know just like pure acrylic and and acrylic paint in terms of like your thesis exhibition or did that something that come later switching not at not at that point i continued in oils into my second year so after that first year of on online and the second summer residency i ended up going to savannah full-time so i ended up you know they called it on ground mm-hmm. but ended up being <laughs> on ground for the second year so uh with my teaching job school district offered a leave of absence opportunity mm-hmm. where I could take a leave for a year and still have uh, a position, not my same position, but a position in the, in the county guaranteed for when I came back. So I took that opportunity with that safety net and went down to Savannah to, to finish up at SCAD for um, the remaining ac- kind of academic year. So at that point, started that that year still painting in oil and it got to a point where my oil paintings were were feeling just like really heavy and things were getting kind of chunky and 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 it was taking you know forever 
for things to dry. And, and I just, I was like thinking too fast for, for my, you know, the paintings, I think. And I switched over to acrylic probably later, maybe that fall quarter and paper. And I just, I got huge sheets of paper and just painted really fast and, and kind of with, with washi acrylics and inks and charcoal and, and just kind of, kind of uh, let loose a little bit, I guess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) with what I was doing uh, with the, with the oil paint, because I felt like, you know, the oil paint was just getting too fussy and, and I was losing that, that kind of fluid abstraction that, that I was, you know, looking for, I guess. So I painted on, you know, big sheets of paper for a while. And then I kind of, I I had this, this moment, um, I took a course in narrative painting, Mm -hmm. which was uh, taught by a very much a realistic, you know, traditional painter. And I, I kind of set out to challenge myself to make abstractions that were narrative. And I came into this idea of, of kind of memory and, and how like parts and pieces that I was collecting and using as inspiration up to that point, you know, how can that fit into a narrative or, or like a kind of a journey? So I, I got into this idea of, of collecting things during certain time periods. And then those paintings were, were kind of inspired by those times and places that I was collecting the inspiration from. So being in Savannah was, was awesome, but um, just Savannah itself is, is such a kind of magical city. There was a lot of, you know, light and shadow. There was a lot of kind of textures and organic pieces that I was collecting from, you know, from the, the trees and, and um, you know, everything that the kind of history and, and everything that was down there. And, and those kind of led me to this day in the life idea. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of creating these, these kind of pods of, of photographs that I was collecting. And then those became, those groups of photographs became inspiration for a single painting. And then those paintings kind of told the story of that day. So then my thesis, my grad thesis was, was 20 paintings of one day. And just all little fragments or little moments, essentially, based on the photographs that you were taking. Yep. So I took I took one day from the time time I got up to the time I went to sleep, and it was just you know I didn't really do anything special that day. I I um, you know just kind of walking around, you know, running errands, going to the studio, you know, kind of just moving throughout my day, and I was collecting photos and kind of jotting down. Uh, because I had to go and write write a paper about all this after the fact, but I was jotting down, you know, just thoughts about aesthetically, like what I was seeing, like what the color was like, or or what it felt like, or you know, describing the pattern I saw in in whatever I was taking a picture of. Or so then I, I organized it by time. So my thesis paintings span the titles span a period of time. So it's like eight thirty four a.m. to 9.02 a.m. Mm-hmm. is the name of, of one of them, I think. So that kind of became the, the structure of, of how, the, how the work kind of developed. Well, and it's interesting to think about, you know, how like color would, I would imagine shift as well, just because, you know, I think of your work now, or at least see it now, and think of all the colorful interactions. I would imagine that's something that kind of sparked a lot of interest. And, and again, it's interesting to think about it you know, starting from something that's observed and then maybe imbued with memory or shifting colors or, or things like that, that you could play around with, with time of day. Yeah, for sure. And when I looked at the series as a whole, the color at that point was still predominantly kind of local color. Mm-hmm. You can definitely, you could definitely see kind of as the difference between like the morning pieces and then the, the evening pieces, for sure. Still, I wasn't being that inventive with color unless just kind of it was needed in within the painting so if something needed to be enhanced or backed off kind of thing Mm -hmm. as I was working but for the most part it was it was local color and I was uh, I was also kind of at the time going back to the the whole layering idea from earlier I was working with canvas 
but I was only priming certain areas. So some of it I was leaving unprimed in order to get kind of, I was using fabric dye on those areas to get this kind of atmospheric, kind of washy, kind of soaked in kind of effect with the color. And then the areas that I wanted to be more kind of in the forefront or, or sharper, I was priming and then, you know, you know, doing the painting. And that point I was with solely acrylic at that, at that point. But yeah, so that was kind of an interesting way to, to kind of get that atmospheric perspective, but also, you know, have, have the ability to, to work with the hard edge kind of architectural pieces as well. Well, and so, you know, to think about this experience and moving on from that, what, what did you wind up doing? Did you go back to teaching immediately? I did. I kind of cashed in my leave of absence back in Southern Maryland. And I taught one more year there. And that was, I taught elementary school. So I went from high school, nine through 12 to K-5 or pre-K through five, mm-hmm. right after graduate school, which was kind of a <laughs> culture shock for sure. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to be working with, at that school, it was a pretty big elementary school, so there were actually two art teachers. So I was lucky enough to work with a veteran elementary art teacher. We just co-taught everything, which was which was great because there were a lot of kids to keep mm-hmm. track of. Sure. <laughs> it was great to, to have her um, as a resource, and we just kind of, we just were the art tag team that year. And then after that, I actually had met my now husband at SCAD in Savannah. So he and I decided to move to Chicago because he was offered a job out there right out of grad school. So we we decided to to move to Chicago for his job. And I I was still wanting to teach, but I was applying for higher ed teaching jobs mm-hmm. because I want to go back to K-12. But with my MFA degree, I thought in Chicago being such a big area and lots of colleges, uh, I thought I would be able to kind of get in somewhere there, but it didn't really didn't really work out that way. So I had a couple of part-time jobs, still sort of art-related, and then I ended up going back to teaching high school. So I taught in Chicago Public Schools for a little while, and then at a school in Evanston, but at that point, I was only teaching part-time in Evanston, and I actually heard about, through through my husband's co- some of my, my husband's coworkers and things, about the Chicago Portfolio School. Probably heard of it, but um, it's kind of a, a one-year kind of professional design kind of school where the instructors are working professionals, and you just... You just go there for a year and you kind of learn as you go and you get a portfolio together in order to you know, get a graphic design job. So that's kind of the path I took to switch gears a little bit, just because I had gotten to the point with K-12 teaching that it wasn't for me anymore because of a lot of reasons, but mainly just because I I didn't feel valued and, and the arts weren't important enough for me to to kind of keep doing it in, in the place where I was. I was still painting throughout this whole time, but I, I got a portfolio together and I um, got a design job. And I was, I guess we were in Chicago for another maybe three years mm-hmm. after that. And I, I had a couple, I had two different design jobs and I actually got a studio um, in the Cornelia Arts Building in Chicago, uh, Ravenswood, and was able to work much larger there and build build structures again and and just kind of be involved with that community and open studio events and and that kind of thing so that was a cool a cool time in Chicago my husband's from New Jersey and I'm from Pennsylvania and we we got to a point where we were thinking it was time to be back toward closer to family so yeah we left Chicago and uh, we are back in the Philadelphia area, we actually are in Wilmington, Delaware right now. All right. Well, and so it sounds like, again, a nice big transition. But, you know, as we were talking about earlier, that kind of gives you a lot of tools, I would imagine, for 
exploring. You know, like you were just saying, even just having studio access where you can build uh, massive panels and canvases is probably pretty nice. But, you know, kind of thinking then more about current work, I notice, again, there's a number of different kind of water-based materials. You know, there's some gouache paintings, for example, that maybe start off a little Mm -hmm. bit smaller. And I would imagine that as you're moving around, you know, that's something that usually <laughs> creates some kind of stir in the studio. But, you know, when you when you move back, then are you kind of like starting these these paintings? Um, and again, uh, your your website is jsmallcreative.com. Mm-hmm. Plenty of work up there to look at. But is it kind of still in that same kind of mode then where you're kind of taking elements and, you know, kind of appropriating them or at least from you know, observation, drawing them, and then using those compositions to to start painting through. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm still kind of working in that in that way. I think each place I've lived, my paintings sort of sort of have a flavor of that place. So when I was in Chicago, things kind of got more architectural and and more kind of you know hard edge and and pattern based, just because of of that city environment and and being you know being on transit and walking around and things like that. My process is, has pretty much stayed the same. I've, you know, I collect photos on my phone. I create sketches from those photos, kind of compositing from different images into compositions. I'm kind of then going back to the, the ideas of formal composition, like, you know, what's creating balance, what's the focal point, what's going to be secondary and things like that. And then as far as color, lately I've my color is totally invented now mm-hmm. for the most part. So with color, I'm kind of treating that in a formal way as well. I usually start with two two warm colors and two cool colors. And then I'm kind of, you know, evolving them, each of those colors kind of from there. So playing with, you know, with value and temperature, depending on how how the painting kind of kind of evolves. But a lot of it's planned out ahead of time. So I'm working with color in in a pretty structured way. I mean, things will change as the painting as the painting gets developed. But yeah, for the most part, um, everything's kind of kind of planned out. Well, and it's interesting to think about that based off of your, you know, experience kind of growing up and kind of being essentially all hands on. So to think about it kind of almost planned out, even in, in terms of maybe thinking about some color or the organization or the strategies, again, it's all very interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, something that I noticed, you know, looking through your paintings and then to hear you describe, you know, your thesis exhibition uh, for your MFA, you know, I start looking at there's a painting called Back Staircase from uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. And you start immediately start imagining like, OK, like I can see that maybe is like you know, part of a stair and then there are these shadows falling over it. So you can start to imagine how, you know, even the titles start to kind of suggest, you know, maybe what you've observed and it might be something that's very, (laughs) you know, staircases are not something that you necessarily (laughs) have to fight a tourist to take pictures of. So, you know, they're very, very banal or, you know, something of the everyday. So that's something that, you know, I think is very apparent, you know, is that you maybe take inspiration from some very small things and some very formal things, it looks like. Yeah, I definitely, I've taken that approach for sure. And it's just kind of having my eyes open to those kind of curious moments, I guess, in just kind of everyday movements and routines and and just kind of considering things that maybe are overlooked or taken for granted as as interesting, uh, you know, as possibilities, I guess, for aesthetic interest or, or visual, you know, visual interest. And I, I think part of my goal, too, is by naming, by titling things the way I do, is that to allow the viewer to connect with with the painting a little bit differently or to to see things maybe in their everyday routine that is visually engaging just the practice of seeing rather than just looking and I I think that's that's kind of what what my work has been about for a while and I think it's it's kind of ever-changing because of how many places I've I've lived or or you know commutes I've had or or just like 
the the routines um, as my routines have changed, my my painting paintings have changed as well. Yeah, and one thing that seems apparent too is that maybe like in some of the slightly older work from that time period. And again, when I say old, I'm <laughs> talking about a few years ago. But there yeah. there seems to be more exploration of like textures and kind of like washed layers versus some of the more current paintings, which all seem like you know super super flat and you know, crisp edges, maybe some gradation, but not as much of that kind of like transparency. So that's something that becomes interesting. And I would imagine, you know, some of that is just the fact that your language keeps changing and is informed by the the paintings themselves, you know, like you, you build this formal world that you're interested in exploring. And then, you know, each painting kind of leads to the next painting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I, th- I think some of the the washiness, I think some of that stays in when I'm working on paper a little bit more mm-hmm. for some reason. Not that you can't have washy areas on, on canvas or panel, but but I, I think, too, it's, it's probably creeping in, the my day job's creeping in, the design aspect of, of things. I don't get to do a lot of washy painterly stuff my day to day, but mm-hmm. so I think that kind of creeps in a little bit. But I think, too, it, it's just that idea of furthering that abstraction, even to the extent of hard edge geometry and patterning, that sometimes the washy stuff kind of falls away. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, to kind of think about the process a little bit, you know, and again, this is something that I recently got to see on Instagram, you know, some of the drawings that you're kind of using, you know, based off of photographs. I'm curious, like you were kind of alluding to, most of these are kind of planned out then. How do you kind of think about like color then in terms of an exploration? Is that something that's then like digitally painted or drawn or composed as well before you start to actually paint or? Actually, this last series that that I did for my virtual solo show that's up right now um, was the first time that I did anything digitally as a kind of preparatory step. But usually I'm... I'm looking at color just in terms of, you know, I kind of lay out everything I have in the studio, like any, you know, the colors that I have and just kind of see what would be a, an unexpected pairing maybe, mm-hmm. but also kind of something that would be versatile enough to, to give a range of, of value of maybe mixing to complementaries to, to kind of make a, a neutral if needed. So things that are going to kind of work together within the composition, but also, you know, next to each other. And, and I, I try to think about color in, in terms of a little bit outside of the box. I do look at, you know, color everywhere, you know, with as far as like inspiration and things, but I think I, I just kind of lay everything out and, and see what I think is maybe unexpected, but also what's going to give that, that kind of range of, you know, as I'm painting, give, give that like kind of versatility. Well, and as maybe you described earlier that you maybe start with a warm and and cool combination of of a couple of colors. Is that something then where at some point you're like, maybe make decisions to kind of add something else to kind of give it that variety or to think like, how am I going to fit this in here, but I want to, or... (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I sometimes bring in other colors, you know, beyond, of course, beyond those few that I start with, but also try to figure out, you know, what would happen if a really light version of of one of the colors mixes with, you know, a really light version of one of the other colors. And and how does that kind of stay in the same overall family, but, but kind of add a variation that doesn't you know, pull in a, a whole other color. And this last series that I actually, that I just finished, I actually did use the same palette for, I think, eight or nine paintings, but each one kind of varies slightly. So each painting kind of varies slightly, but they all have, you know, an element of green, pink, purple, and yellow of some degree. Well, and I'm curious, you know, like in terms of that process, like you were saying, this is maybe one that's a little bit more informed for the digital side of things. Is that something where like maybe you see like a shape that you like or, you know, part of a pattern that you kind of then expand into a much larger pattern or, 
you know, think like, oh, I'm going to add this element over here and then repeat it over there, but change the scale. Oh, yeah. There's got to be like some kind of <laughs> fluidity to that process of designing it that, you know, winds up getting translated to the to the final painting as well or informs it. Yeah, for sure. So kind of the the elements of the photo, I don't end up using the whole photo or all of the elements in the photo. So I usually take the part of the photo that I think is the is the strongest or the most aesthetically interesting and use that in different ways. In some cases, like going back to this last series, the elements are repeated in several different paintings. So the same kind of patterning or part is, is used in different ways throughout different paintings, whether they're small or large, or I don't even use all the photos that I take. So I kind of just pick out things that are the most interesting and then put those, you know, use those as my kind of element. Well, and to think about like the real technical aspect of this, you know, so I'm assuming that, you know, by using spray paint, you can have something that allows for some subtle gradients and transitions. But I'm curious, like in terms of actually making that, are you using like stencils? Are you, you know, using, you know, tons of tape to kind of mask everything out? Uh, yeah, a ton of, a ton of tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's, it's, like I said, it's always so interesting to me as, as someone that likes to paint, you know, really flat geometric things, I always sucked at using tape. So like for me, I've just, it's become part of my thing where I'm just like, I hate tape. Yeah. But that's something that I think works out so well, you know, and, and something that makes it really interesting is to see a lot of the subtlety because there's, you know, obviously like some very large dominant shapes that are, that are very geometric, but then there's, you know, shapes that kind of curve or kind of wrap into each other. And again, it's just, it's just interesting. So maybe talk a little bit about that process in terms of like, are there just tons of layers kind of going on too in terms of masking things out? Yeah, for sure. There's ends up being a lot of layers. And I actually, when I'm doing my um, kind of in the sketch phase, I'm um, kind of thinking through the layers. So I'm kind of, you know, thinking what should come first, second, third, fourth, especially if I'm incorporating the spray paint because of just how I have to mask and things like that. So I, I usually try to work with the spray paint first and then, you know, and, and then kind of build the brushwork on top of the spray paint. And then sometimes the spray paint ends up coming in more to the background or to a large kind of area around some of the smaller areas. So then that's where I like kind of mask and, and just spray those, those larger areas. So it's, there's definitely a lot of layers. I start with thin, I actually start with thin washes and then I kind of start masking almost immediately and kind of spraying areas and, and then figuring out what's going to be painted and kind of build from there. So it's, it's really it's almost like building, you know, building a sculpture or, or building kind of pieces together in, in, in that kind of way, because it's, it's a lot of kind of thinking what's gonna, what can I mask to do this area? And then I have to mask that area and then, and kind of, and kind of building up from there. One of the things that's really interesting to me is just the subtlety with the colors. You know, you kind of talked about, you know, some aspects of them, you know, in the recent series, kind of incorporating like the the greens and the and the reds essentially kind of is a nice strong like complementary setup but I really love the the subtlety of the the gradients with the spray paint so there's one called follow the guardrail uh-huh and again it's just really interesting because you can have like that cool kind of green shape that kind of like fades from being like a blue green to like a yellow green and then over the top of that and again somebody really have to look at this on your website so again jsmallcreative.com so you can follow along with this but then you know you get that kind of other kind of you know warm kind of orangey green kind of color that transitions to that violet so you know it's it's nice to kind of see the way that you start to kind of stack colors and to kind of create these areas of, of emphasis or, you know, things that are going to contrast with backgrounds and other shapes, it really kind of creates this real subtle kind of push and pull effect, you know, that, I, that I've always loved to, to kind of play around with, you know, when it comes to like abstract kind of formal kind of painting. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely try to try to think about it in terms of almost like a landscape because I'm I'm kind of building that space from you know, from the thing that you see first and, and then kind of creating this background sort of. But yeah, I, I definitely like the playing with that push and pull 
for sure. And, and using kind of the the bolder neons to 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 kind of help with that as well, um, because they end up being kind of the the vehicle that that follow. You know, your eye kind of like leads you through the painting in a way mm-hmm. with the, the the patterning and the and the smaller kind of smaller areas. But but yeah, I definitely enjoy kind of that figuring out what colors are going to do what in terms of that kind of visual relationship. And, you know, and then I, I kind of follow all the shapes as well, you know, all the hard edge geometric shapes or even the subtle kind of curves kind of keep leading your eye back around compositions. So again, it's, it seems something that really kind of, you know, would probably envelop a viewer, you know, again, I realize we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so, you know, one thing that I would say too, is that, you know, like going back into, into scale, you know, seeing some of these works in, in person, you know, when you've got a 66 inch painting, you know, that's going to envelop your space a little bit more too. So I think that, you know, that's got to be something, you know, that certainly kind of helps, you know, spark a, a viewer to kind of think about these, these situations or, you know, to kind of almost mess with their optics too, when they're coming upon these, cause they're so vibrant, obviously too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think working with scale or changing scale, you know, I have, I have pieces, current pieces that are, you know, 22 by 16. And then I have the, you know, the 66 by 48. And I think creating work back and forth between those, you know, kind of scale and, you know, sizes in between kind of just, just keep it interesting for me, you know, and, and challenging in kind of creating that same um, visual play between the background and the foreground and, and from shape to shape or section to section and, and how that, how that's different based on scale. I do love the the large scale and it, it is kind of, my kind of wingspan and and like I'm like kind of you know height wise like right you know in the in the upper or middle to like you know upper third of it when I'm standing in front of it so it's definitely my goal to have that (laughs) to have that be like you're kind of stepping in to to an abstract environment well and one thing that we haven't talked about either are you working on like a bunch of these at a time I know we talked earlier about, you know, oil paint, obviously one of the things that's great about acrylic is that it dries <laughs> relatively uh-huh. quickly, but is that something that allows you to be able to kind of jump to different paintings or is that something where you're mostly going to be focusing on one as, you, as you're working through it? I'm usually bouncing around between two to three, but I'll get to a point where I'll, I'll just, you know, kind of focus on one to finish it off. Mm-hmm. So I'll get to about I don't know, maybe like 75% of the way finished. And then from that point forward, I'm, I'm kind of just focusing on one. Um, so the, the bouncing around, I think, or working on multiple at a time is more towards the beginning. And, and I'll be able to, you know, bounce between two or three of them while one's drying or and kind of map things out quickly. And I'll be able to do that on on multiple canvases or, or panels, sometimes I work on panel, but, and then it gets to a point where I'm, I'm kind of all in until the, until the finish line. Yeah. Well, I, again, I know the feeling like, especially like when you feel like it's coming closer, you know, where you're like, Uh Oh my gosh, I gotta, gotta finish this. It's almost there. Yeah. Again, it's just, it's really interesting to think about that process and, you know, especially to think about the way that the, the editing has kind of evolved. I guess that's kind of natural for anybody, but you know, I'm, of course, uh, the one here interviewing you all about it. So I feel very self-conscious all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that I wanted to talk a little bit more too. tell me about this, this exhibition a little bit more. Cause I know that again, these are paintings that you've been promoting, you know, lately. So tell us a little bit more about, about where these are being featured online. My current show is up at uh, Robert Berry gallery. It's a virtual gallery. Um, and Robert is a gallerist from New York. So he's based out of New York. Um, he started this virtual gallery where he shows a variety of, of different contemporary artists. And he actually reached out to me in the spring about, you know, joining joining his, his gallery. And I've been working on this solo show pretty much since, you know, late spring, early summer. And it's called Beauty and Banality. And during, you know, the, the first bit of the of the pandemic, I started collecting images from kind of my immediate environment and also my 
design jobs in, in Philadelphia. So I was, you know, kind of in Philadelphia for a little bit and then things kind of totally locked down. But yeah, I was, I was kind of becoming inspired by just again, everyday routine, but my, um, you know, kind of window got a lot smaller in terms of my kind of environment. But yeah, the Robert opened my show at the gallery December 4th, um, and it runs through January 10th. And there are 14 paintings, nine of which are brand new. And the other few are from either earlier in 2020 or, you know, 2018, 2019. So it's a collection of work that speaks all about, you know, finding interesting elements, engaging elements in in your everyday routine. I think that's very apparent, you know, especially coming to the work. I mean, like I said, that color kind of really sucks you in. And even just in small ways, too, I really like the wrapped edges, you know, because they almost kind of become almost object-like or, you know, even play around with that. But again, it's it's just very interesting to check out and to, to explore. So, so again, that's going to be up through January 10th. January 10th, yep. Where are the best places to check out your work? So Robert Berry Gallery is robertberrygallery.com. The show will be up there, the Beauty and Banality Show. Um, my website, as you've mentioned, is jsmallcreative.com. And my uh, Instagram handle, which I, I try to post daily as much as possible, is at Jen Smalley with a Y. So it's J-E-N-S-M-A-L-L-Y. And I'm, I'm active on there as well. I also have a shop uh, portion of my site that goes to uh, artfair.com, which is an e-commerce platform that connects artists directly with collectors. And actually, actually how Robert found me through that site. So um, artfair.com. Oh, I have, a, I have a group show coming up. One of my professors from SCAD is now at Georgia Southern University, so I'll, I'll be in a group show down there as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about your work today. It's been so great. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out and, and for inviting me to be, uh, to be on the podcast. It's been really fun. Thanks once again to Jen for joining me. Go and check out her exhibition at Robert Berry Gallery. That's robertberrygallery.com. It's Beauty and Banality, and it runs through January 10th. You can also find her work at jsmallcreative.com and on Art Fair. And be sure to follow her on Instagram and see all the goings-on in the daily studio practice at Jen Smalley. And we'll take a second to promote our previous podcast, 242, with myself, Kate Kaminsky, Ben Cohan, and John Reddington. We all talk about our bonding over the past year. 2020 has obviously been a very strange year for all of us. And we talk all about that process, creativity, how we've been supporting each other and known each other since graduate school. So it's a fun episode. The music for today is actually done by myself and Ben. And I do not think of myself as an amazing guitarist or anything, but that's something that I have taken back up during the pandemic. So it's a fun episode for everybody to check out the balance of family and kids during the pandemic. So once again, number 242. If you did like today's episode, be sure and check out some of the others that you missed out on. Again, there's a ton of episodes on studiobreak.com to act as a companion while you're working away in the studio. So check them out. Each of our posts there have images of the artwork as well as links to the artist's websites. And of course, you can listen right in the default player or click those links and subscribe to the podcast so you've always got something to listen to in the studio. If you're looking for karma points, please help spread the word via social media and or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It would be very awesome. Be sure to check us out on social media. So like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, on Instagram, it's Studio underscore Break. So be sure and stay tuned there. Once again, I am a painter as well. So you can check out my work at DavidLinaway.com and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at DavidLinaway, Facebook, you name it. As I stated in the introduction, I do have a sale that closed in 2020, but if you listen to the podcast and you're interested in something, I will extend that, so just shoot me a DM and let me know. And with that, our 2020 year is wrapped. I know it's been a very intense one for many of us, a lot of juggling and a lot of hardships, so I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. It's been great meeting a lot of new artists and sharing these interviews, so I'm looking forward to getting to some new interviews for 2021 and wish you a super productive new year. We'll talk to you real soon.